The Bite Goes On is up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, we're talking to Marshall Crenshaw, songwriter, singer, performer, actor, writer. Marshall tells us about the best collard green recipe he's ever had, finding the best Indian food on the road, and Detroit-style pizza. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Yeah, good to see you again. So this is Brian Casey from The Bike Goes On. We've got Sandra Bernstein, as usual. Uh, Allison Kilmer is joining the program today. And we've got Iona and is it Kaylee or Callie or Kalee? Kalee. Perfect. Um, from Renegade Food. And we, we wanted to get together with them. Uh, did we have a originally have a podcast scheduled? Was it for today? It was. It was. Oh, okay, perfect. perfect. So They're smart. So we, we kept to our words, Sandra. <laughs> just, just did it a little different fashion. So so um, this is the first time, no, second time for The Bike Goes On that we're using the Zoom app. And we're all just trying to be responsible and, and um, practice social distancing. And so we're all at home or in our prospective offices. Or Sandra is, I don't know, last time her backdrop was the girl in the fig. This time it's uh, looks like you're in China somewhere. In uh, Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. Yeah, I can tell by the air quality. Actually, I better switch. <laughs> wait a second. I'm going to switch. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to go somewhere else. Supposedly, that... the um, have you heard the air quality is getting a lot better um, over the last week because you've got reduced emissions from um, a lot of cars and um, planes and factories and um, but there's a lot of weird stuff out there when you when you research into it you know um, the my daughter is is uh, her best friends are triplets and the mom was over here the other day and was saying that oh have you heard that in Venice that the the, um, the water's clear the water is clear and so I oh, looked in. The I looked at, <laughs> are coming back, right? Right. Yes. Well, and I think that's reduced traffic. So what the mayor of, of Venice was saying is that just because it's because there's not any boats in the water and so nothing's stirring up all the sediment. So it's all sort of settled down to the bottom. And I can see if, if there's a lot if there's a lot less traffic for boats than dolphins going, Oh, it's let's let's go in there. There's not a lot of stuff going on. So I don't know if, if it's actually if the water is any cleaner, but it's Definitely, everything has settled down um, to the bottom of the of the canals. But um, I'm sure there's some definite positive effects um, going on that at least we can cling to. <laughs> something, right? <laughs> right. It's nice to think that there's something good happening because of all of this. Absolutely. Well, well, let's mention you know let's mention um, Kali and Iona, your company, and what it is you guys do. Nice backdrop, Sandra. Okay, now I'm in Pescadero, Mexico, okay. at a farm. <laughs> Can I join you? Well, I thought this would be good since we're going to talk about plant-based food. I thought I would ha change my backdrop. This is at Rancho Pescadero, which is an amazing resort, like 15 minutes outside of Todos Santos. But they're under construction right now because they're building more out. But it was a magical place. And um, yeah, this is the farm. So there you go. I left Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you guys know you can change your backdrop if you just, there's a little uh, menu at the bottom of the screen if you roll the cursor over. I think, what does it say? It says, 
oh, there's just a little upward um, um, little arrow. And if you click on it, you can go to video settings or choose virtual background and you can um, choose any of the photos that are on your computer. So um, we, we are on um, a radio, so I guess. Uh, I mean, no, yeah, no, I know the, the listeners can't tell, but it makes it a little more fun for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's listen to Iona and Kali and, and just um, tell us a little bit about what you guys do. I met you guys when we had the plant-based dinner at Sandra's um, event space, uh, Sweet D. I don't know, that was two months ago, three months ago, something like that. Um, All blending together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. That was an amazing event with so much delicious food. So yeah. we're so thrilled to be a part of that and so happy to be here today. So thank you so much for having us on. You bet. No, we're so honored. So we are Renegade Food is a plant-based meat company. We currently are working on plant-based charcuterie. So we've got a few different varietals right now. We've got our Sweet Toscano, which is uh, flavored after the wild fennel fields of Tuscany. We've also got our Smoky Sofrasada, which is a Calabrian style salami. And then we've got our spicy Spanish chorizo. So what we're really having fun with is pulling from all these different cultural identities. You know, food is so tied to who we are and, you know, the history of its people. and Sometimes when you go plant-based, you can miss out on a lot of those experiences. So we really wanted to, you know, create some delicious food that we can share with everyone, whether or not they're eating plants or animals. So that was really the idea around this company and something that we're really enjoying sharing with everyone. And when you said we're currently offering, so that means that you've got something up your sleeve going forward that you probably are so, working on. Yes, yes, exactly. We, I'm a lifelong vegetarian. My parents raised me a vegetarian. I've been vegan going on three years now. So while the company is just about a year old right now, I've been working on these recipes for probably about 10 years now. Wow. So the idea really came about, I was working in Spain back in 2010 and um, I, I met this chef there and he loved to have all these extravagant dinner parties and he would do all sorts of wine and food pairings and uh, charcuterie was a big part of it. And, you know, he really, he was Italian, but he had been living in Spain for years. So it was a big part of how he shared, you know, the culture with many people. And it was an amazing experience. Experience and I really felt like I was missing out on a big part of that uh, experience. So I came home wanting to create recipes where we could share all of those experiences. So I've got many, many recipes in my book, yet we decided to start with charcuterie. Um, we thought it was a perfect fit for wine country. And we just really felt like the vegan space is missing more ready to eat grab and go items so we we really felt like this is something that you know whether you're going to a dinner party or having a picnic this was a really fun way to bring people together around the table so this is this is where we're starting but there's a lot more to come so and go ahead sandra sorry yeah my my question is um how did you know what the original products actually tasted like to come up with these flavor profiles <laughs> that's a really great question i've thought <laughs> that one before so the short answer is 
it was it was a guess, really. I think you can tell a lot from smells. So I've got an idea around what it should taste like, but honestly, one of I am a foodie, I am a cook, um, and one of my favorite things to do is to show meat eaters that eating plant-based is not boring, that you're not missing out. So these recipes have been tried by meat eaters over the years, for many, many years, and I've gotten a lot of really good feedback from them. So, you know, a lot of trial and error. I started, you know, all the way over here, and then lots of feedback, you know, it needs to be more smoky, it needs to be more fatty, what about that mouth feel? So it's funny that I've never actually tried salami, but <laughs> I've had lots and lots of feedback. So that's that's been the fun part for me. Yeah. Well, and how, how, how did you start the process? Did you actually get in your kitchen and start putting things together? Or do you go to a to a chef and say, hey, can you help me with these recipes that I'm thinking about? Sure, so it really started, you know, I came home from Spain and I just spent hours and hours and hours online looking at different recipes, looking at what other chefs were doing um, and getting inspiration from there. And really, you know, pulling from a lot of different inspiration, like Miyoko, for example, um, shortly after I went vegan, it was Thanksgiving time and I made her, um, what is it, her non-turkey? Un-turkey. Her un-turkey, <laughs> yes. So learning about different ways to use, you know, ingredients like wheat and olive oil and different spices, um, and kind of just going from there. And once you can create the base of a recipe, once you can get your texture down, then, you know, you can play with many different spices. So it's, it's really been a culmination of many different recipes over the years I've played with. And then I really, I started with a lot of different sausage recipes, actually. Um, I've always loved field roast. I think they're delicious. Um, but for me, I really try to eat more organic and they're not organic, unfortunately. So that for me, I was like, well, let's create some things that I feel better about eating every day. And then kind of going from there and understanding, okay, salami is more dense than a sausage. So how can we create that density? And right. then I got into smoking and learning how to smoke with different woods, like apple wood or hickory. And just, now where are you doing this? Well, all of this was in my kitchen to start. Uh, oh. we're, now, we're now in Oakland, out of Forage Kitchen is our commercial kitchen. We've now hired a chef who is, he's amazing. He's worked uh, with many Michelin starred chefs around the world. So he's, he's really helped take us to the next level as well. So for me, it's, it's just been a passion. It's been a hobby. And then now we're working with chefs to kind of take us to that next level. And He's, um, he's worked with traditional meat salami companies as well. So he's bringing a little bit more of that experience. And again, he eats meat, so he knows what we're looking for as well. So the recipes, they, I mean, we're probably on version 57 or something like that. Wow. Many different tweaks along the way. So a lot of trial yeah. and error. What's been interesting about the chef is his background is in charcuterie on the meat side of the house. And so taking those techniques on the meat side and applying them in the plant-based space has been fascinating. Techniques and, and different flavor profiles and, and ways to approach it has been really interesting. We've learned a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been a vegetarian for decades and, and Iona's never had meat. So partnering with someone who has that expertise has just been really eye-opening and interesting. And are, and is, are you actually hanging some of the the product so do you make it and then age it like you would with a 
traditional salumi or some kind of charcuterie products? Great question. So we actually did just start um, our processes now, just like they would make traditional salami. So we are using casings. We're not hanging yet. We need to get new smokers that have that capability. But uh, for our version two products, we will be hanging and smoking. And we're working uh, with different cultures as well. So just like the bacteria they use to dry age traditional salami, we're learning how we can do that as well to really mimic the full traditional process. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And where are you guys currently? Who Who's getting your product? Who's using it right now? Well, there's there's been a little bit of a hiccup with uh -oh. that. <laughs> Given, well, we were supposed to be starting in wine country in the spring, so we, we were really excited to be starting in some tasting rooms, but unfortunately, as I'm sure a lot of the world is aware right now, restaurants and tasting rooms are not currently open at the moment, so we are pivoting. We should have our online storefront up within a couple weeks, and we'll be available online, and we're also looking at moving into retail sooner than we had originally planned. Oh, good. I, um, I, I want to know, without giving away any of your trade secrets, um, you know, we, we produce a huge amount of salumi. Mm. I mean, huge. Like right now with the situation, um, one of my taglines is, you know, I can't really pay people in salami. <laughs> can't really pay people in Copa. We have learned a very hard thing about having too much inventory um, when a crisis happens. And so, and I, I only say that because I know how long, and actually Brian can even attest that when we had our restaurant called Estate, um, we would have prosciutto legs hanging in our wine cooler. It smelled so disgusting, honestly. <laughs> but, but we know that it's a very long process to, you know, take fresh meat and have it, you know, disintegrate to something really dry. I don't mean disintegrate. I mean, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Hopefully mm -hmm. everybody knows what I mean. But um, it's a long process. So I'm wondering, um, is it... A long process I mean does it depend on which variety you're making at the time um, we could be hanging anywhere from six weeks to two years Wow yeah so currently it's not a long process it's the smoking is what really I would say speeds up the process so our recipes are ready within a couple days ready to eat now as they age they do get better flavor wise so we're we're playing with that balance of you know when to when to give it to people when is the best time for them to be eating so right now it's a short process but once we get to our version two which is when we will be aging it traditionally like you're talking about then the process will be longer so right now with this little bump in the market and approach to market we are realizing there's still a lot of R&D we can do on the background. So figuring out how long will it take for us to cure wheat, olive oil, spices. Um, to our knowledge, this hasn't really been done before. So we are working with some amazing scientists on the project and they're really 
excited to see how it turns out. They all have their ideas of how long it will take. Um, obviously things like wheat and vegetables, they break down a lot faster than meat because they're a lot more simple. Um, so we're not exactly sure how long it will take, but we're excited to see, you know, as it progresses, how long it will take for these things to cure and be ready to eat. Well, I think, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sandra. <laughs> I think Miyoko went through this with, with her cheeses that, she had gotten to the point where she was basically releasing them probably earlier than she wanted to sometimes because there was just a lack of space. And when you're holding on to that much inventory, like you're doing, Sandra, at some point you got to start selling it to make the money. Um, but I think, I think Miyoko has moved into a larger space where she's actually able to, to age things a little bit longer. Like I think that was her original plan from, um, from the beginning. I don't, is that right, Allison? Yeah. Yeah, they have a, a huge aging room now and a huge smoking um, room. So it's all done in the traditional cheese making style. So um, it's just a matter of real estate, right? And yeah. just making sure that you have a facility that can accommodate that type of traditional aging um, and smoking. And, you know, it's just that's that's how you have to do it. Yeah, it's like that with the wine too. You know, there's sometimes mm -hmm. the wines get released a little bit early. You just you, you've got to make space for the next vintage. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, sometimes it's just all about logistics. Um, but ultimately, like how how long have you have you taken some of your product and just hung it up in a dry room just as like your own personal experiment at home just to see what happens? Definitely. Yeah, so. we've had a lot of fun with that. So. I think, what is the longest we've aged? Right now it's been a few months um, and then we just end up eating it all, but. Okay, and who was the first one to eat it? Were you a little bit scared? Like. <laughs> That's really funny you ask. Actually, our longest aging process was actually done by my mom and we didn't even really realize she was doing it we had given she, she left it in the car and by accident <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was talking to her one day and she's like oh you know i was just finishing up the last of my charcuterie and i was like what <laughs> mom we gave that to you months ago like we didn't realize you even still had that um so it was probably even longer than few months at that point and she was raving about it and said it was delicious and had shared it with her friends you know she was so proud so they're like well how are you feeling you good like right, right. <laughs> really we haven't aged it quite that long so it's, that's good it's so your, your your mom can be your test your tester going forward <laughs> well i mean like looking at the ingredients um on your website and it's really nice website at what renegade.com renegadefood.com renegadefood.com um yeah i'm like trying to think like is it fermented do you go through a fermentation so we use fermented ingredients, um, and our next version will be fully fermented. Okay. Yeah, actually, Miyoko has also given us some great advice on which cultures to use. So we, we're playing with the same exact cultures that they use in the traditional meat process. Okay, very cool. Wow. Yeah. So why, not to be controversial, but I usually kind of push a few buttons, um, why did you shape it in the shape of a salami instead of like making your own out of the box, totally new shape? So the reason for that is 
I think more and more people right now want to eat more plants. They're understanding that for a variety of reasons, they should be eating more plants and less animals, you know, whether it's their health or the environment or for the animals, they're, they're realizing that that's something they really need to do. And for a lot of people, it's, it's a really intimidating process. You know, food is so personal to who we are. So like for me, for example, I'm a lifelong vegetarian. I don't feel the need to have a faux salami. I'm, I'm happy with tofu, tempeh, like all that stuff is good for me. But a lot of people who have been eating these meats for their entire life, they don't know where to start. They don't know what to make. And it's, it's really overwhelming for them. So to be able to provide products that they're familiar with, they know what it's going to taste like, their favorite thing in the world is a salami sandwich, something like that. It's, it's really to give them the opportunity to see that you can eat plants and you don't have to give up all your favorite flavors and experiences. So we're, we're really just trying to encourage people through delicious food that this can be done. Yeah, Cassandra, we've talked about this before. I think it's important to highlight the fact that most people that are either vegan or flexitarian or are just trying to eat more plants, they didn't grow up like Iona did. They grew up eating these foods like myself. I grew up eating cheese and meat until I was 18. Um, and I think the point is that you develop a certain palate for these types of foods. And when you develop that palate, you don't want to give it up. And that's one of the reasons why people are so afraid to eat more plant-based options is because they're afraid that they're going to have to eat like bird seed or something. You know, it's like... <laughs> And we just want to prove that you don't have to do that, that you can have these amazing culinary experiences. And one thing I want to add to that on the adverse of that is the fact that sometimes you can get flavors from plants that you simply can't get from meat and dairy. Well, so that, it works both ways. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it sounds weird. Why would ve vegans and vegetarians want to eat something that looks and tastes like meat? And I get that question a lot. So hopefully that sheds a little light on that. <laughs> we were at an event last month and um, it was a distillery tasting event. So I think there were maybe a couple dozen whiskey tastings. And it was a very traditional crowd. A lot of them had never tried products like ours. And we had a lot of guys walking by giving us the side eye, like, what are these ladies doing? <laughs> um, and we had this one gentleman, he probably came by our booth at least five or six times throughout the day. And he was just so surprised by what we were doing. And at the end of the day, he actually brought his friend over and he's like, this is the product I was telling you about. You have to try it. And then he was telling us that his friend was over at the traditional salami booth and he was telling his friend, he's like, you have to come try this plant-based salami. And he told us, he's like, you know what? I don't really care about the planet, my health, whatever. None of that matters to me. He's like, what I like about this is it has more flavor. It just, it's so much more interesting than that meat. And to us, that was, I mean, we were a little bit shocked and it was just, it was really incredible to hear that perspective that while we all have our reasons for doing this, a lot of people are just looking for something that tastes good. Right. Yeah. yeah at the end new. of the day. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice explanation. I mean, and I know that we've talked about it before, but I guess, um, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I guess 
that transition. Um, the gateway drug, Sandra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah very, much, very much so. Yeah. And um, it doesn't need, does it need to be refrigerated or it's shelf stable? We're really close to being shelf stable right now. Wow. Um, our pH needs to be dropped just a little bit for it to be more shelf stable. Um, so for now, just to be safe, we are keeping it refrigerated. But once we have our full fermentation process down, it will be shelf stable. So if it starts to go bad, what, what would you notice? Does it grow mold or does it just get hard no. or? Yeah, I think it's, it doesn't grow mold or anything like that. It's just, um, you'll notice a little flavor being off. Um, but our chef has been really helpful with that. Like the oil we're using, for example, um, we've been using extra virgin olive oil and he's recommending just a regular virgin mm -hmm. olive oil. Mm -hmm. So things like that will make it more stable and it's not going to affect the flavor mm -hmm. so much. Interesting. Yeah, because when you know food, you kind of, as we go into unknown territory for the majority that really don't know this stuff, when you start buying things, I don't know, like, what are the clues? How do you know when you're safe? How do you know um, what to look for? And if you don't necessarily know what something's going to taste like the first time you taste it is it the best thing you tasted and it should taste like that all the time or is it an evolving product like you're thinking about aging and that would change the flavor or are you tasting a product that maybe it's not at its prime at some point and you don't really know what it should taste like and I don't, it's a very open, it's not a question or anything like that, but I know that, and, and also people's taste buds are a little different. Mm -hmm. So um, how people taste things, I think is, you know, unique to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've learned a lot through this process. Um, so understanding that shelf stability, there are a few factors in it. Uh, salt content is one of them. And as most people know, salami is traditionally very high in salt. So that really leads to more shelf stability. And mm -hmm. we've got about half the sodium content as traditional meat salami right now, but our sodium content is enough to make it shelf stable. Mm -hmm. um, it also comes down to the moisture content in the product. So we realized once we started smoking with apple wood that really uh, brought the moisture levels down. So that's mm -hmm. also made it a lot more wow. <laughs> So really now it's just coming to our pH levels and our pH is, it's right, it's basically right there on the fence at stability. So we want to get it just a little bit lower just to be 100% certain. And that's why right now, you know, we, we've left it out for a week, a couple weeks, and we've eaten it. We've, we've left it out for extended periods and the flavor is still there. The moisture is still there. And, you know, we feel confident enough eating it, but again, we don't, we don't want to be pushing it out to the public until we're a hundred percent certain and, with that. And to what I alluded to earlier, you know, we are working with labs and food scientists and, and chemists to actually ensure this is a safe product. It's not just right. guessing, right? It is. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I, I know. <laughs> Incredible and smart people. And, and what they're doing is they're really helping us evolve that product into that next level from a scientific standpoint. So we're taking the culinary piece and the science piece and together moving forward into a, a more sophisticated product, which is 
been fascinating for me to be a part of it, to watch that kind of move forward with the science part of it as well. Yeah, how did you guys, how did you two meet? And was it through <laughs> the starting of this company or have you guys known each other for a long time? So we've known each other for years, actually. Kali is married to my brother, so she's oh. <laughs> Okay. In the family. Yes. We've actually, long before we started the company, she's a foodie as well. So we've, we've spent many, many years in the kitchen together just for fun. Um, and I, I came to her with this idea last spring. It's something she's heard me talk about for years now. And so she was excited to jump on board and was looking to do something different. And here we are. That's funny. So this is like at family gatherings. I know this happens um, <laughs> at like Easter and Christmas at, at my wife's family gatherings. We always talk about having a food truck and doing one called Spuds and Buds. <laughs> and this is this is before marijuana was made legal here in California, but we had this pipe dream of selling potato, baked potatoes and marijuana out of the same food truck for some reason. <laughs> Can I come to your holiday gatherings, Brian? Yeah, right? Seriously. Yeah. A little bit of wine was probably ingested when we came this up with this idea, but it gets mentioned at every holiday. So I can just imagine you two talking, yeah, we're going to do this plant-based charcuterie. And you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think also it'll be really um, exciting to like, if you're attempting to get into retail now to be doing it without having to be through the cold chain that whole process seems so confusing and complicated i think it's, sandra explain that for people that don't know what that means well i don't really know what it means honestly but i know that you need a refrigerated truck mm -hmm. things cold and it's very different from like shipping somebody's uh, something in a cardboard box versus right ice packs and you know the shelf lives are different um you know i think once you make it shelf stable it'll be longer than if it's in the fridge i would think 100 percent. Yeah. okay yeah but it's it's just like the um the liquor business and the three-tier system it's a little bit different you know or or i guess the 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 sales and Allison, you know about this really well from the producer to the wholesaler to the distributor and how those things happen and you know the retail in its own is really complicated like um putting your product like how you have to pay to get your product on the best shelf and you know how you get it in people's eyes but I think you have a, a great advantage of, you know, you're doing grassroots sales, which I absolutely love. You're hitting people one at a time, um, you know, really focused on a really great explanation of what you're doing. And then you're, I think the media in the vegan world are going to be your best friends as far as getting this stuff in front of them, letting them taste it. And, you know, once it's shelf stable, it'll be really easy to send to people and get it on their desks. And so um, it's exciting. I, I need to taste it again. My first taste wasn't my favorite, but I'm coming around. I bought some... Well, I did buy Pan's Mushroom Jerky. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, you gave me some. It was so good. No, that was different. That was, oh. I, I, I forget the name of that one, but that was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the name. But there's another one. It's all mushroom jerky. 
like they have a Thai mushroom. I keep buying this stuff and trying it because I don't know that I'm ever going to go all the way, but I do love my dogs. I really, <laughs> like when I, I could never eat my dog. Mm -hmm. What part do I start with? A leg? Uh, the lips? <laughs> Let's you hope know, it I'm doesn't so... get to that point. <laughs> Who knows? You don't know what's happening. Sandra, it's only been four days. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, depending when this airs, but as of today, I've been in my house for nine days oh that poor dog hours <laughs> in nine days i really i know i'm glad you said that though because i think um i mean from a vegan perspective i always tell people when they say why are you vegan because i say well i don't really see the difference between a dog a cat a pig a horse a cow they're all the same to me they're all sentient creatures and i think it takes a while for people to kind of get to that point. So I'm I'm glad you're you're realizing that you don't want to eat your dog, Sandra. Thank you. Yeah, no, I really love them, especially right now. They're like huge comfort. Oh my gosh, they're your best friends. Keeping exactly. all of us company. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, well let's let's, you know, speaking of the the media in the vegan world, do you want to talk a little bit, Allison, about Wine Country 2.0 and what's been going on here and, and what we were what we're all sort of disappointed about right now is that we're not I able know, to I know. Get so, going, but <laughs> so Renegade Food and um, Girl in the Fig and Brian You as a Psalm, we're all collectively gathering here in Northern California wine country to celebrate and inspire a more compassionate and um, sustainable food system and hospitality. And so um, I'm really, really proud to be spearheading this because it's a deep passion of mine. And I have been, you know, with my tea company, I've been out there working with chefs and restaurateurs and uh, wineries for a long time. And every time I go out and I, and I'm, you know, doing tea tastings or whatever, I'm always saying, what do you guys offer as vegan options? And it just starts a conversation. And then suddenly I realized that there is a big need um, for us to have a voice in, in this amazing region. And especially in a region that is known for, um, you know, culinary excellence, beverage innovation, wine innovation. I mean, California in general, we're known for that. And so um, one thing that people don't realize is that vegans have um, an immense love for food. We are probably like foodies on steroids. So I always tell people, once you win a vegan over, you're going to win a hundred more because what they do is shout from the rooftops about these experiences that they have. And I always say, don't be scared that it's not going to be a perfect execution or whatever it is. Vegans are just so thrilled to be included in this world. And so we have gathered um, some like minds, some change makers, some taste makers, um, and we are going to create a national campaign that is going to start out with a live, you know, kickoff event 
where we'll have the media, we'll have some vegan glitterati there, we'll have all of the movers and shakers here in wine country. Wait, um, what's a vegan glitterati? Oh, all these influencers <laughs> out there that have amazing following. and It sounds um, like a car that runs on plants. Yeah, would that be nice? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just going to be really exciting. We're going to have, um, we're going to create a panel uh, and actually issue awards for the, you know, top hotel, restaurant, SOM, who are championing these best practices. We're going to share best practices. We're going to support one another. We're going to create a collection of amazing people that are um, understanding that this is not only something that we need to do to serve the majority of the public and 100% of visitors that come here, but also to inspire one another to create some better practices and create, hopefully together, we can show the world because the idea is that wine country here in California radiates globally like nothing, like no other market. We get visitors from around the world. We are some of the most um, visited places in, in, in the country. And so, um, yeah, so we're really excited. We, you know, we were making amazing strides up until a couple of weeks ago um, for obvious reasons. And now we're just um, going to continue um, our journey of um, attracting participants, which we are calling charter members for this year. Um, it will be a year over year um, initiative. We will continue to um, aggregate as many like minds as we can and show the world how it should be done. Yeah, I, I Go ahead, Sandra. I was just gonna say, I love, you know, when you include the girl in the thing, I, I so appreciate that. And I like the fact that it's not exclusive to only vegan, it's no. exclusive to sharing an open mind. And That's right. Yeah, and, and I think that is really such a smart way to go about it um, because it's not like a campaign. It's not about judgment. It's just about, you know, like, honestly, if somebody came out with a whole new grape varietal, you know, that no one has ever heard about and you wanted to try and get it out there, it's not about people that like white wine, red wine, Chardonnay, you know, the variety, but it's about that there's another option and, yeah. you know, with a different reason. Well, the other reason too is just fiscally, um, you know, 10% of world travelers now consider themselves vegan. And when I tell business owners here that number, their jaw drops on the table and they think, wow, what could I do if I increase my business 10%? And right now we all need everything that we can possibly get. Right. And, and you know, and the one thing I will say about this campaign is that um, I have been absolutely blown away by the level of support and open-mindedness that I've received, we've received. Um, I should mention that this has been, it's being um, championed by Miyoko's Creamery in, um, in Petaluma and, you know, as a way to really support our region. And we I can't believe how many people have contacted us since we launched our um, our temporary landing page, which is www.winecountry2.com. And then we also have an Instagram page um, and a Facebook page that's starting. It's just very rudimentary right now. Um, it's You can find us at, at winecountry2.0. 
and um, we're going to continue to create um, content for each and every charter member and so far the charter members are supporting one another and uh, we're going to cross-pollinate on each other's social channels we are going to you know basically show the world how it's done and i am so proud of our community i can't tell you and especially in times like now where we're facing this you know economic and health crisis um, it's just one uh, another way that Sonoma is coming together and really showing people um, that you know we can we can band together and really create some positive change. Well, and I think you know some people look at this as oh what a bummer you know everything's put on hold we're not the tasting rooms aren't open the restaurants aren't open but I think if you look at it as an opportunity you know you've got a lot more. You've got a quiet space right now. And Sandra, you know, you did this when, when you closed the restaurant, you said, I'm just taking a week off because I just want to sort of think. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's great to to be able to do that. And right now, now is when you can sort of do those, you know, back of the house things that you've always wanted to do, but you were busy doing 50 other things. Now is like the time to actually tie up those things that you wanted. You know, I'm I'm looking at this as an opportunity um, for you know, just personally for, you know, spring cleaning at our house, uh, professionally is, you know, uh, getting the wine list more in order, um, you know, doing some administrative stuff. And I think for Wine Country 2.0, it's, it's an opportunity to, you know, connect with some people that right now, there's nothing else going on for them. So let's have a conversation um, with, with uh, Iona and Kali, I'm sure it's like, okay, well, we're, we're not able to get it into the tasting rooms right now, but how else can we do some creative marketing um, so that we can get the word out to more people? I, I think, you know, over the next month is sort of a, it's a good time to connect with people because they're, they're, they're looking for something, um, you know, to do. And they're probably looking for new things as well in their life. Um, yeah, people are getting real creative right now. I've heard some amazing um, ideas coming out from all different business businesses across here. And I think, you know, like spring releases are coming out, right? So everyone's right. starting to ship their wine right now. Why can't we get renegade food into some of those shipments and some of those baskets, right? Things like that. Um, why can't we, you know, put in, um, you know, some of the product when people are picking up their food for um, delivery? I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can do together to keep this momentum going and I know we've been kicked in the face um, and we're all feeling you know a little bit bewildered but I do believe that in the next week or two all these ideas are going to resurface and we're going to come out of this okay um, and there are ways that we can maintain business and maintain that social distancing as well because we need each other more than ever now yeah yeah, yeah for sure for sure. It's a scary, it's a scary time. Sandra, do you want to talk about what you did with your groceries? I mean, that was such an amazing program. I mean, you know, what did we do where you were giving away the bags? Oh, with those... our staff. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I don't feel so great. You know, I don't feel like that was like so amazing. I feel like we, we gave, we distributed food to our staff during the first week that we closed and I just feel like it was the least that we can do. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, we had a lot of perishable food and other food. And it was like, you know, instead of letting it sit here, we wanted people to take it home and cook it and eat it and, you know, be able to have a nice meal. And so we did that. Hopefully we'll be able to do that again. Um, you know, we are considering starting, uh, well, actually we are starting tomorrow. Um, yes. curbside. Actually, I was no. going to say, I got an email about an hour ago. So I think you guys are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in the midst of it or we'll be shut down depending on when this airs. So we could still be doing it. We could not still be doing it. So that's very questionable. Could shut down any day based on either the government or if I feel like either our staff or the guests aren't feeling safe about it. Right. Ideally, the best way would be for us to, um, you know, put the delivery outside their car door and then walk away and then let them get out of the car and pick up their food and put it in their car. Yeah. Um, and keep that six foot distancing. Unfortunately, we're looking at a little bit of rain. So maybe it's under a tent and then mm -hmm. they walk inside or something. Mm -hmm. But that's my priority is the safety of everybody. Um, and I think those are the things we're going to continue to learn as we move in this. Um, but now's a great time. Do you guys know Miracle Plum? Yeah, I love them. We yeah. You have to introduce Iona and, and right. Yep. They're so amazing. They have such a beautiful selection. And yep see that being yep. in your store and they're absolutely really hard right now yep bit alive. Yep. yeah there's a lot of good stories like that i know i think chez panisse is is being used as a drop-off centers or a pickup center sort of like sam katuri is doing i for miracle plum uh no no for um uh, for jim reichardt and the oh, ducks you know awesome. um so i and i think um yeah i think chez panisse um, um, and Sam at sixteen six hundred is is you know if if you've got products out there that um, that currently aren't moving because all of the restaurants are closed you know there people are coming up with creative solutions. Um, I know Sandra, you talked about getting one of these school buses, and um, I saw that jo actually Jordan Kiebelstad is doing um, deliveries in the Oakmont area and doing food, which I didn't know. I don't know if that's because he's got the new spot over there yeah. where Shellville yeah. Grill was, uh, but it's, in, you know, including a bottle of wine as well. Um, and, and, and that's, for those that don't know, Oakmont is sort of a senior, say it in quotation marks, senior community. I think you have to be a certain age even to live in that 55. community. 55. So yeah. Yeah, I'm nowhere, I'm nowhere close to that. So no, I got at least <laughs> 10 years before I have to yeah. <laughs> But people are yeah. getting very creative and I, I, I like that. I did, Allison, I didn't think about the fact, Iona and Kali, are you able to provide product to someone if someone wanted to do a wine club shipment um, in the next two weeks or three weeks and include some of your products in there? Is that a possibility? Yeah, I think the big, uh, question there would be the refrigeration aspect. So right. um, shipping refrigerated is a little bit more complicated. So right. we're, we're trying to work through those issues and see how we can still be available for the public. Um, you know, there are some safety issues we're obviously dealing with as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's a little so, bit complicated. So all the nitty-gritty but but once you got those ph levels down then you think you could be able to ship something that was 
room temp, but then is the idea that then people get it home and then after they open it, then they refrigerate it or? Um, so when it's, when it's shelf stable, they won't have to refrigerate at all. So we're actually looking wow. at this as an opportunity to speed up the development of our version two being shelf stable. Um, so, you know, as a startup, you're trying to do many things in tandem. And one of them was launching our version one product this spring, but realizing, you know, with everything going on, maybe it's a good time to really ramp up our version two and get shelf stable sooner rather than later. And then, you know, we will have way fewer hurdles to get to market and we'll be able to be a lot more available. So we're, we're figuring out the best way to speed that product process up. Yeah. I have an idea. Mm -hmm. I am um, getting these thistle deliveries and it's a vegetarian, you can get vegan or vegetarian, whatever. I bet you could sell some of their product to them. They have refrigeration and they could offer it to their guests as like a charcuterie snack. Like mm -hmm. I got a snack today. It was like a chickpea salad with crackers and grapes, but that could be a way to, you know, get some cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, Sandra, what is thistle? Thistle. Um, it's a meal food plan delivery service. I've been trying different ones over the last year, um, you know, just to see what people are doing. And, and I am doing the plant-based um, products and mm -hmm. some I like a lot and some I don't. I think they're creative. I do like the juices, even though I shouldn't drink that much juice, but the... Um, yeah, I know. It's just, I love the creativity. I love see what people are doing. They deliver on ice. I get my delivery at 1030 at night when on my days. So wow. it comes on a huge block of ice, they text you when it, they drop it at your door. Um, luckily, sometimes I'm up at 1030. <laughs> it's still sitting on an ice block in the morning. But that would be a yeah. cool thing. And a, a really good either that or like purple carrot, Mark Bittman. Um, those would be great people to get as advocates to really push product out, as mm -hmm. well as to have you get some I don't know. My, yeah. my brain yeah. doesn't turn off on giving unsolicited advice, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. That's a good idea. Thank you. No, well, this is exciting. I, I am definitely going to try it again. And um, I think my palate is going to change. I think, I think it was like a mind-mouth disconnect. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Psychological. Yeah, I think it was that. So I have to be in a different situation. And I and this is another thing. It's like I, I've had pretty much the same conversation about the Miyoko's cheese in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. do have the butter in my fridge all the time. I love it. <laughs> good girl. Yeah. <laughs> but when we had um trying to think where we were, my mom with the last time she was out here, she was eating oh i know where we were we were doing these events and and we had had some of the cheeses and she was just eating and eating and she's like oh my god this is just so good she had no idea that <laughs> yoko's cheese was plant-based and not cheese so i think um you know some people would say that's a good thing some industries would not appreciate that but we're, we're getting through that i think well, Sandra, I brought a big charcuterie board with Renegade and Miyoko's to yes. the last big party, and 
it was devoured oh like in 15 minutes. I know people. It was like know. it was like a stream of locusts just came in and just like true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, that's maybe also our lines were too long to get food. They just. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> People were stockpiling. <laughs> so, so, anyway, let us know how people should um, keep in touch with you, follow what you're doing, your Instagram, your website, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're coming out with updates on our Instagram. We are at Eat Renegade. And we should be making some big announcements there soon. So anyone who wants to follow us, that would be wonderful. Oh, are you going to tell us what those are here? Well, there we we don't have anything a hundred percent confirmed yet. We don't care about a hundred percent. We like to be we'll the take first. Ten percent. Don't don't succumb to the pressure, Iona. <laughs> He's too notorious for it. Our, our million <laughs> listeners love to get the advance notice of when right. they're Special it. promo code. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that um, everyone on social media has been beating down our doors when they can buy, when they can buy. And our website, our online storefront, is very, very close to being ready. So stay right. tuned for that. Well, we will <laughs> definitely share it when when it happens. And, and Iona, can you remind people um, where where what your uh, URL is and on you know Facebook and Instagram? Yes, we are renegadefood.com is our website and Instagram is our main social. It's at Eat Renegade. <clears throat> And Allison, what about contact information for not only for Wine Country 2.0, but for Uppercase T as well? Oh, you're very sweet. It's Uppercase The tea is sweet. That rooibos. <laughs> it's so good. We all need those antioxidants right now, don't yep. we? Um, so yeah, you can find us at UppercaseT.com, and that's U-P-P-E-R-T-E-A.com. And also we're at, at Uppercase T on all social channels as well. Um, yeah, and we're still we're still selling in all the places that we did before, but you know things are just a little bit awkward right now with the wineries and restaurants. But we're getting through it. Yeah, and and we're still you know, you and I had talked a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. You were in San Diego. I was um, planning a vegan winemaker dinner for That's April twenty right. second, which has obviously been pushed back. But I hopefully we can make that happen in May, um, and. Um, so let's continue talking about that and we'll get the word out there um, for that one as well. That would be at the Fairmont um, in Sonoma at Sante restaurant and Bart Hansen from Dane Cellars would be the winemaker. And, um, and I just basically threw down a challenge to our chef and said, I'm, I'm doing a vegan winemaker dinner. He was, he was like, he, at first he didn't think I was serious. And, and, and then I said to him, you know, I just, I just figured that someone, a young chef as talented as you are, that wouldn't be an, a problem at all for you. And there you go. About 10 minutes later, he came into my office and said, okay, what's the date? <laughs> good, good job. So he just needed a little prodding. And I think he, now he's taken it on as a, a, as a challenge and we're really excited, but this just gives us maybe an extra month to, um, to play around with some cool uh, menu items for that, but we'll get the word out there for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so excited about that. So if we could include, um, you know, Renegade and Yoko's and totally as a little flavor palette cleanser, we'd be yep. in good shape. 
on board with all how of that. it works right yeah, yeah well you know when i was looking at um um sorry when i was looking at the um you know people that were involved with wine country 2.0 i was like oh my god it's some it's all of the, my favorite people that i'm already doing you know that have relationships <laughs> with so it wasn't very hard when you're looking and you're like oh corbin cameron and then then niall from mad fritz comes into the bar and and you're like hey i you know it's yeah. just all, all these people that you already love and enjoy um brian soon we're gonna have the bike goes on um retail store online Oh my oh, God! Seriously? What? Well, Wait. I need to find a way for you to get money. <laughs> what, what am I going to sell, Sandra? Well, all we've had so many incredible guests that have been on the show that people can listen to the show and then order their product on your online store. That would be pretty cool. Interesting. That would be really right. fun. All right. Well, first I've got 60 cases of wine that I've got to sell for, um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, to somebody now, I don't know who's going to, now I'm just going to be shipping it directly to, to homes instead of in, into restaurants too. <laughs> very thirsty out there though. Yeah. I, yeah. And people are home to sign for those deliveries of their, of the wine. So it's, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to see a little spike in alcohol sales during this time. And, and maybe in nine months, we'll see a little boom of some babies. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I, I also heard that the, um, um, not to, you know, end your baby talk, but <laughs> that uh, the, the ABC lifted regulations that, yes. so that restaurants can now serve alcohol with their to-go items. Oh, great. That's a yes, big now, deal. It's a huge deal, except for there's there's definitely some stipulations on it. They of have course. to be in a closed container, like a mason jar. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we were going to try and roll that out this week at the FIG, um, but I backed out because people just getting the product to them, going outside, do you leave it? You know, how do you get it to them? Safely. You're, you mean talking about safety issues? Safety yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. And if I could do that liquor out of Sweet D, I would do it in a heartbeat, but we don't have the right license there. So um, unless I can look at our catering license and, and use that, I don't know. I'd have to call the ABC and see if we could do that. But yeah, people want to drink and people are getting really creative about uh, how they're selling their cocktails. Right, 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 right. No, I, I, I agree. I think um, it's this type of creativity and lack of restriction that I think is going to spark a whole new world for us when we come out the other side of this. Totally. Yeah, Sandra, I actually looked into virtual wine tastings because we talked about that on the yeah. last episode about um, doing that for Winery 16600 about you know, scheduling a time just like we did with each other, um, but you right. would, you know, someone would schedule the time with someone uh, with a, a staff member at the winery, and you would sit down in front of your computers, you would have shipped them three or four bottles of wine, and then I would have those same wines in front of me, and we would just do a tasting just like we would at the winery, but we're just yeah. doing it looking at each other on our computers. It's not a new thing. No, there's, there's some people that I, that, that have been doing it for quite a while, but I don't think they've been doing a great job. Who I think um, most recently is doing it really well is Alex Kanzler out at Kanzler Estate um, out in um, West County. And they just released a new virtual tasting with their wine club shipment. So the idea is that they ship you the wines from your wine club shipment and then 
you log on and and it's a video that's not it's not a live chat but it's a it's um something that he recorded where you're actually he's sitting there talking about the wines that were delivered um to your house and and they did it's a it's a they did a really good job on it um but that's something that um i'm sure sam and i are gonna uh, try and do and and like we mentioned on the last on the last episode not something that needs to stop um yeah. just because we're allowed out of the house again that i i think you know people that can't come here and visit it's nice to offer them a virtual um experience of wine country um without them having to leave their home and for that's, some, whether that's by choice or you know uh, out of necessity great idea it's exciting yeah, yeah. here we go yeah mm-hmm. all right guys well we will uh, thank you so much, Iona and Khalif, for coming on. Allison, always good to talk with you and see your face. Um, hopefully, thank we you. can see each other in person sometime soon. And, yeah. and um, same thing for uh, Iona and Khalif. When we do get the um, date um, set for the winemaker dinner, we'll definitely reach out to you. Love to have you both there and, and bring some of your um, charcuterie. Sandra, any shout outs you want to give? I mean, I know you gave a little shout out uh, on your email that I saw to Miracle Plum and, and always to Winery 16600 because they usually try and get real creative, uh, whether it's a fire or a pandemic, <laughs> that family. Yes, that one day at a time. And um, it's weird since this isn't going to go out there today. But I just, you know, prayers to everybody that's out there. And the only thing I can say, if you hear, if this launches when you, you know, if we're still in this, when you hear this, please take the um, safety warnings to heart. Please don't be silly. You should be acting like you have um, coronavirus yourself and you want to protect everybody that's around you and not to be selfish and to do the right thing. And I think as humanity, we all need to do that. So I really, if you listen, please be safe, be healthy and take care of your loved ones. Yeah, my sister just reached out to me yesterday and said that we had gotten together on March 11th uh, for my mom's birthday. My sister and I and my mom went out to lunch in Nevada before we were um, told to shelter in place. And she told me now that her boyfriend's friends, three of them have tested positive and that he was getting a test. And so she was letting us know that it was possible that she was infected. And so um, luckily what happened is we we put it together and looked at the dates and it was actually, it was the the day before she would came in contact with him is when we all got together. But it's for me, it's the first time where it was like- You know someone. Someone you know, you know, right? It wasn't just seeing it on CNN. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, be safe out there. We're gonna continue to do our podcast because, because we need to. Um, yes. We uh, we need something to do, and and we hope that it um, brings some sense of normalcy and and some sense of comfort to some people, and um, you know just to continue doing our shows and and getting the word out there. So we will look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you all for joining us, and if you want to check out some of our past episodes or my new I guess virtual store, uh, go to thebikegoeson.com. I've got a lot of stuff for sale. Eventually. <laughs> not there now Jeez. okay well then in the meantime you can just venmo or do paypal and just send me just donations right <laughs> there you and, go. and then when i do get some products i'll i'll, I'll remember you <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah. right all right well thank you all for joining us we'll look forward to talking to you next week thanks bye everybody bye. Bye.